few moments, if you would, uh, go with me to the book of First Chronicles chapter 12, and I will begin reading with verse number 8. I, uh, I get really nervous when the Lord does this to me because I'm not geared this way, but this particular portion of Scripture God brought to my attention months ago. And uh, my mind has been trying to absorb and to uh, digest all of the things that uh, it alludes to. And I'm a little nervous today because I feel like I've forgotten something. But uh, the Lord help us. We're going to talk to you for a little while out of this portion of Scripture. If you don't have it, behold. Wonderful media team that puts it up there for you. Don't let that make you lazy, though. Have your own Bible, whether it's on your phone or in your hand, a a real hardcover Bible. Make sure you have your own Bible. And of the Gadites, there separated themselves unto David into the hole to the wilderness, men of might and men of war, fit for the battle that could handle shield and buckler whose faces were like the faces of lions and were as swift as the rose upon the mountains Ezer the first Obadiah the second Eliab the third Mishmana the fourth Jeremiah the fifth Adiah the sixth Eliel the seventh Johanan the eighth, Elizabeth the ninth, Jeremiah the tenth, Machbaniah the eleventh. These were of the sons of Gad, captains of the host. One of the least was over an hundred, and the greatest was over a thousand. And these are they that went over the Jordan in the first month when it had overflowed all his banks and they put to flight all of them of the valleys toward the east and toward the west. What a description of these men who came to David's aid. Notice with me, if you will, they were men of war fit for the battle. Notice that it does not say fit to battle. There's a difference. A lot of people are ready to fight. We live in a world that's ready to fight. But these men understood the times in which they lived and the Bible says of them they were fit for the battle. That's my subject for you this morning, fit for the battle. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> it's good to have my brother here today and Anthony and Brent. It's so good to see all of our families, but when we get to have our family, that's really special because uh, he's all over the world and to get him home for the holidays is a great thing. Thank you my brother, for being such a strong influence in my life. Well, let's start. 
pickles, corn, egg salad, straw hats, cartoons, pancakes, men watchers, coffee lovers, pet sitters, postcards, pets, figs, fishing, bathroom readers, Elvis, clowns, carpet care, pet peeves, and roller skaters, to name just a few, get a whole week of celebration. Noodles, peanuts, frozen food, canned food, hot tea, ice tea, ice cream, barbecue, eggs, hamburgers, salad, bingo, clocks, drums, guitars, peanut butter lovers, and real jewelry, pianos and tennis, gay square dancers, turkey lovers, creative romance, fungal infection, stop animal cruelty and pest control, get a whole month to celebrate their cause. But isn't it strange that the two most significant people in your life only get a day? That's the distorted world in which we live. But I'm thankful today that we are here to celebrate all of our men and especially our fathers on this Father's Day. And I think it would be a great time for us to give all of our men a great hand of applause. Would you do that? Amen. They are worthy of our highest praise and adoration today. A father is someone who carries pictures where to his son that he reminds them of you that they stick out their chest and not their tongue. A father is one who gives a daughter away to a man that is not nearly good enough so that he can have grandchildren that are smarter than anybody else's. Somebody said amen. The late Paul Harvey used to say that a father is a person who is forced to endure childbirth without any anesthetic. I know there's some women that will hit me up on that one after church, but I'll just have to take my loves. By the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son that thinks he's wrong. One man said that he wanted to teach his kids about taxes, so he ate 38% of their ice cream. I like that kind of man. On a more serious note, the famous basketball coach Jimmy Valvano said that my father gave to me the greatest gift that anyone could give another person, and that is he believed in me. A father's words are like a thermostat that sets the temperature in the house, another said. And one lady said that any man can be a father, but it takes someone special to be a dad. And I wholeheartedly agree. Clarence B. Kellen said that my father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. The most valuable lessons in life I have learned have been through that kind of testimony and witness. I think it would be fair today to say that a father never feels worthy of the worship that his children often give him.
I know in my own life, I never feel like I quite measure up to the hero status that my daughter thinks I am. And I'm never quite the man that my son believes me to be. But I am grateful that they love me and that they respect me for who I am. And for all of our men today, and again, especially to our fathers, we say thank God for each of you and your life and its impact upon our world today. And if we ever needed men to be men and men to stand up as men, we need that in this hour in which we live. Now, I understand that many of my comments today may be misunderstood and they could easily be taken out of context. And if somebody's watching online, they might think that I am just a rebel rouser and a warmonger and I hate women or I hate this or I hate that. And the truth is, I don't hate anybody. Now, I do hate sin in whatever form it takes, but I don't hate anybody, but I am here to declare to you today that if there was ever a day that we needed men like the scriptural context that we read from today, it is the hour in which we are now presently living. We need men who are not afraid to identify as men and stand upon their feet and declare that this is the way God created me to be. I want you to look with me today at the kind of men whose lives cry out to this generation and they cry out to us as a church and they speak to the great need of our times. Men who served and who sacrificed. Men who silenced the enemies of God's chosen man. And their names will never be household names. And you will not find them perhaps in any other place in Scripture. But in this hour, they rose to the occasion and they filled the gap and they made up the hedge. And what a difference these men made for David and his cause. There are hours like that which call out men for such times. And I believe that instead of reading the news as some are reading and wringing their hands and saying, oh, what can we do? I believe when we read the news now, we need to understand that if there was ever a time that I needed to live a God-called life and I needed to be a light to the world and I needed to be what God created me to be, it is in this hour. Somebody say this hour. Men who served and sacrificed. And I believe that we are in such an hour as that today. An hour that is calling for men who are willing to be different. And they're not ashamed to be identified as what God created them to be. Our world, without us understanding it sometime, 
is dumbing down the context of what a man is supposed to be and what a man was designed to be and created to be by God our Creator. We're being given misinformation continually and we are being given this idea that there is a better man on the horizon. I'm telling you the best men that have ever lived are men who are God-called, God-filled men and they are not ashamed to identify as such. Our text describes the men who came to help David when he was in a difficult season of life. David had been compelled to flee from his own country and hide himself from the malevolence and hatred of Saul. Scripture describes for us the men who came to David at this wilderness stronghold that many believe was the cave of Adullam, a cave that David resorted to often in his journeys and ventures under this particular season of life. All of them that came were remarkable men. All of them espoused the cause of David when he was in his worst condition. And of these men who are named, there are these special 11 men, these 11 Gadites who joined him in this cave of Adullam. 11 notable men that had left the ease and the comfort of their home. They had laid aside the honors and rewards of their own homes and country to associate themselves with David when he was regarded as an outlaw under the ban of society. David commanded the homage of these good and valiant men and for these men to follow David. They must have first had confidence in his leadership. There had to be something about David's life that they wanted to identify with. They must have trusted him. There was no amount of, of, of muscular strength that could have been sufficient to have drawn these men to David. It had to be some kind of inner strength, some kind of inner character that they wanted to identify with. I want to tell you this morning that there is no amount of spirituality that will ever allow you to bypass or sidestep or circumvent God's appointed man in life. And there are men who need to understand that God has an appointed man that stands before you today and there's an appointed man that sits there on that front row that God has ordained for this church for this hour. And I will ask of you to stand beside us as we endeavor to do the will of God. But there is no level of spirituality that will ever allow you the privilege of circumventing God's plan and purpose for his church. Amen. These men that came to David were seasoned men. They were ready fighters. They were trained for war. They were skilled. This is how our text describes them. They were men of might, men of war, fit for the battle. They were skilled, and by this skill, they were distinguished 
for their ability to wield both shield and sword. Both of them working together. The Bible describes them as having faces like lions. And they were swift as the roe or the gazelle upon the mountain. They were brave veterans who stood before David and declared their loyalty to him. And they are an example of the kind of men that are needed for the hour in which we now live. Not weak men, nor novices, but a man's man. And I am not saying in that that I should be rude or discount the role of other people, but I am here to tell you right now that God's appointed man is the man you need to be willing to identify with. Amen. Don't let the rough exterior of our lives cover the worth of the man. They may have looked like lions. They may have been rough in their outer appearance. But they were men who were not afraid to go to war for things that mattered. They did not just go to war for the sake of war. They went to war for what mattered. And David was God's anointed. Saul had already been rejected by God. And David was in the in the shadows at this moment but he was God's anointed man for Israel and for God's people and these men said that's what I want to identify with I want to identify with God's man for this hour because together when we work together as a team we can overcome and defeat any enemy that comes against the church in this hour Amen. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. Don't let the rough exterior cover the worth of the man. The hour in which we live would like to paint a portrait of man that is effeminate and weak and careless and thoughtless and selfish. But I am here to declare that I see men in this congregation that fit this same description that I read in Bible. There are men on these pews today that are men of character and they're trustworthy and they're faithful and they are loyal and they stand together to do the work of God. Don't let anything or anyone interrupt what God has ordained for this hour for this church. Amen. The power of these men's lives was their commitment to wholly follow after God and David. Nothing else mattered. What are you wholly committed to today? I would pray that you are wholly committed to this church and to us as the leaders of this assembly. If you're not then you might need to find somewhere where you will be totally committed because that's the kind of combination that changes the world. The world is not changed because you associate with a church. The world is not changed because you come to Greater Life Church. The world becomes a changed world when we join together and we lock arm in arm and we stand side by side and we fight 
fight the same battle. And it's not among ourselves. It's a battle with an enemy that is without, that seeks to destroy everything we represent. The one thing that I know that the the enemy, if he has any smarts or intelligence about him, knows that if he can get us to fighting among ourselves, we'll be too busy cutting each other up to worry about what he's doing. That's why I love Greater Life Church Men's Group. I tell people all the time, they, they tell me about church trouble. I said, man, I don't know what that is. We've never had quote unquote church trouble. We've had disagreements. But we've never had that kind of spirit that comes up where there's one party that sits over on this side of the church and there's another party that sits over on this side of the church. I've preached in places like that. You cannot have revival in places like that. The reason that we are seeing the spirit of revival in this church right now is because it doesn't matter where you sit in this assembly. We are one body and we stand together as one body and we identify as one people. We are the people of God that are called for this hour and we stand together and declare that we will do the will of God and we will stand true. To that calling. Praise God. The power of these men was in their commitment. They fight the things that are worthy to be fought. The first thing that I note about them in scripture is the Bible said that they separated themselves. They separated themselves. They did that themselves. Nobody made them do that. They said, I want to identify with this. And they separated themselves. If you're going to be the man most needed in this hour, you are going to have to separate yourselves from the ideologies of the world around you. And you're going to have to live counter to what our culture is promoting right now. I'm telling you that our culture right now is trying to tear apart manhood, tear apart womanhood. It's trying to mix some homogenous something that's nothing but a freak. I'm here to tell you today that men need to be men and women need to be women. And you don't need to be confused about your identity. God didn't put a male mind in a female body and he didn't put a female mind in a male body when he created you. If that has happened, it's because somebody has interrupted God's plan and put something of their own making into the mixture. Amen. The power of these men. Oh, the power of these men. I need to move on. Men, can I say to you today that this hour cries for men who are willing to separate themselves from this world and serve God and God alone. You cannot serve God and the world at the same time. But neither can you be nominally, superficially of the church and really of the world. That is a recipe for failure. You must be holy, completely, totally, 
sold out to him. And the only time that I see men in confusion is when they are not completely, totally, 100% sold out to the church and to the purpose of God. You say, oh, wait a second, Brother Hughes. You said church. And I have problems with church. Well, you need to go back out the door and come back in the door with a new mindset because you're not in what you were in. This is not just your everyday run-of-the-mill church body. So don't bring your ideologies in from somewhere else and say this is what this church is. I'm here to tell you this church is different and it's proven on a daily basis. Uh, There are more people that are committed to do ministry and work in this church uh, than any place that I know of. They volunteer to work. They are willing to work. They come to do the work of God because they like what they see and they love what they feel and they enjoy the blessings of God that are upon this assembly. I'm not bragging this morning. I'm just telling you the facts. I'm telling you that there's no place like this place anywhere that I know of. Separated. Everybody say separated. Separated. Badal. In the Hebrew, which means to differ or be different. It means to be distinguished as different. It means to be severed from or cut off from one thing so that you can be fully for some other thing. Notice about these men that they were separated and they were self-disciplined. And they had shown themselves to be leaders. And the scripture says that they were captains of hundreds and captains of thousands. So this band of men who came to David were the cream of the crop. Now listen, the Gadites had been allies to Saul. And they had supported Saul. Even in his fallen condition, the Gadites had still supported Saul. But these 11 men said, hey, this is a dying cause. We're looking for something that's going up. And they left and they separated themselves and they identified with David because they recognized something in David that was not on Saul. And that was the hand of God. You better be careful to note where the hand of God is because wherever the hand of God is the blessings of God are going to be there the mercy of God is going to be there the goodness of God is going to be there the forgiveness of God is going to be there and God's hand is not everywhere amen you cannot serve the Lord and serve the world at the same time you have to make up your mind which it will be The Christian must differ from the world in many things. First, in our language. We don't need to use the language of the world. And let me just pause here a minute and say, men, we need to clean up our language. We get too free with using some of these little words that when I was a kid, they were just slang for really bad words. And we didn't want to, we didn't want to be caught blaspheming so we would come up with these other words that really were just synonyms for the really bad words 
And so now I listen to some of the talk that goes on among us and, and we use words that, that makes me cringe sometimes. I'm telling you, we need to go through our vocabulary and say, you know what? That doesn't sound like what a Christian ought to be talking like. That doesn't sound like what a man of God ought to be saying. That doesn't sound like something that I want on my lips. Amen. Different in language. Not only different in the language, but we're different in our actions and our customs and our manners and our habits. If the world drinks, that's, that's their problem. There's no such thing as social drinking Christians. I don't care who come up with that phrase. I'm just here to tell you that God did not intend for your body to be a repository for some alcoholic beverage that makes you think like you are Superman when you're really just a doughboy. I don't know where that came from, but I just put it in for good measure. The tongue of the believing man must be a fountain that sends forth sweet water. It needs to be a fountain that sends forth blessings. You need to speak blessings over your family. Maybe the reason your family isn't blessed any more than they are isn't because of your family's failure, but because you have not declared over your family, this family is going to be blessed. We're going to be blessed because we're going to walk in the precepts of the Lord. This family is going to be blessed because we're going to hear the word of the Lord and we're going to live according to the word of the Lord and we're going to do the will of God. Amen. Buckle your seatbelt. It's coming. I forgot to tell you that earlier. Just because it becomes the custom of the day does not mean it needs to be the habit of your life. There is no custom of the day that will ever authorize you to ignore the word and the will of God. So you should do it differently. You should be different. There ought to be a higher Morality in you than there is in anybody else around you. They were separated men unto David. They were loyal to a leader and they were duly loyal to God and God's man. And from this passage, we find that they were powerful men who made such a great influence. David was by no means a perfect man. But he was God's man and they stood by David and they stood up for David. I am so thankful for the men in this church that stand up for that man and this man right here. I'm I'm not saying that things don't happen sometimes, but I'm just here to tell you that all the men that I know in this church are men that will stand up and say, hey, you don't talk about my pastor like that. That's not what my pastor does. That's not who my pastor is. That's not who I identify with. You may have a misconception, but those two men are not that kind of man. Enough of that. The Bible said they were men of might. This is not not just physical strength, but it actually spoke of an inner strength. They didn't cut and run when the first hint of trouble came. 
They weren't looking and testing the wind to see which way the wind was blowing. They had already set their sail, said we're going to stand with David and it doesn't matter what kind of storm breaks, we're going to stay right there with him. Amen. It's a wonder when you have men like that. No wonder you can live through all the things we've lived through. Storms and tragic losses and over and over keep climbing back out of the, 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 the heap of rubbish that piles up on the parking lot and doing it over again. You can't do that without men and women who are committed to the cause. They're not just vacationers. They're not just holiday people. They are everyday people. They're 24 hour a day people and the reason we have what we have today is because of people like you in this church they were men of might they stood by David in the worst of times don't be confused about the situation that you find yourself in sometimes trouble comes not because there's wrong in leadership but because God is putting you through a test to see how loyal you're going to be when the chips are down. Amen. I'll say amen to that. They were men of might and they were men of war. Now this, this is important that you understand me right now. They were not men who just knew how to fight. We have a world full of men like that. If you don't believe it, get out on the freeway and just drive slow in, a, in, a, in an area where they think you ought to be on the Indy, Indy 500 uh, where, where you should be going 200. Just go 50 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone and just see what happens. I was on my way to church this morning and I decided to stop for a cup of coffee and evidently I wasn't going fast enough and so guy whips around me and he whips right back in front of me and he goes down a little while and I see him constantly putting on his brake. What's wrong? He, he's afraid the cops are going to catch him but he keeps acting like a maniac. So we don't need men that just know how to fight. We need men who know what the fight is about. We need men who know what the battle is for. The battle is for your family. The battle is for your children. The battle is for your grandchildren. The battle is for your great-grandchildren. The battle is for your future. It's for our future. We need to understand what the battle is and not just be ready to fight every time something comes up. Amen. They could handle shield and sword. Now, it's interesting that this particular reference of shield and sword was in a reference to the manner of fighting in David's day that these men were so trained and so martial and so attuned to rank and order and their place in, in, in this battle that when the battle cry would be given, 
that they would come together when the threat of attack was against them and the army was drawing in close. They would bring their shields and they would stand side by side, shield to shield, all the way across the battle line and they would have their swords drawn in the other hand. I would that you could get a mental picture of that because literally it would be if we were to stand our men from one side of this building to the other side by side so nothing could penetrate them. That's what it was. It was this impenetrable shield that they put together when they worked together. Listen to me, men of Greater Life Church. There is nothing that is more invincible than when men of God stand shoulder to shoulder and they put their shields together not against one another and not to use on one another but they use them side by side. It makes an impenetrable line. That's why this church has been blessed it's because men have been willing to stand shoulder to shoulder with us as we've labored to do the will of God and if you think I'm going to let somebody come in and disrupt that you're going to see a side of me you ain't ever seen before amen I like the fact that we stand together We have a men's outing. We don't ever have any fights or disagreements. I've been in places where they actually had knockdown dragouts. I've been in one place where the pastor had to go out and separate them on the parking lot because they were going to blows. We don't do that around here. And if that's in your spirit, I'm asking you to get to the altar as quick as you can and pray it out of your spirit or get up and take yourself somewhere else because we don't want that spirit around here. Amen. I don't know what you came looking for on Father's Day. Maybe you wanted me to pat a cake for Jesus this morning. But this is a crucial hour that we live in. This is a critical moment for the church. And it's time for us to understand that you're not going to play games and get the job done. We're going to have to learn how to stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder, spear in our hands for the enemy, not for one another. Not everyone knows how to handle the weapons of warfare. Many are careless and they wind up hurting the people they're supposed to love. They never use their weapons on each other. As often the case in our day sometimes is. Some men have swords, but their swords seem to be more dangerous to their friends than to their foes. Be careful how you use what God has put in your hand. I'm hurrying. May God make us men of might and men who are ready to do battle. Men who are not afraid to stand up and be counted. Their faces were like the faces of lions. They were swift. They were quick. They were ready like gazelles upon the mountaintop. Not everybody who came to David was like that. But these men were unusual men that came to the side of David. But this is the message that God laid in my heart months ago, that they were fit for the battle. Fit for the battle. What does that mean? Well, first of all, the word fit means that they were able to keep rank. Literally, in the original text, 
It meant that they knew how to keep rank. They knew their place. They knew where they belonged. You have to know your place and stay in your place if we are going to effectively do the warfare against our enemy that we need to do. There is much to be said about men who are willing to be followers. We live in a world that far too many times they all want to be chiefs and nobody wants to be Indians. Yeah. Everybody wants to lead, but nobody wants to be led. Well, let me tell you something about leadership. God is never going to allow you to lead anything that you have not first been led in something. So if you're not willing to submit to our leadership, don't ever think God's going to take you any higher because our ability to lead others is going to correspond to our ability to be led in our own lives. And every one of us needs somebody that has that kind of influence over us. You said, Brother Hughes, no, who, who are you accountable to? Well, I have a great board that I'm accountable to. I'm accountable to that man right there also. I'm also accountable to all of the men in this church. I don't just do anything that I want to do, and I don't just go anywhere that I want to go. But beside that, I have a circle of friends outside this church that can call me at any time and say, Hughes, your attitude stinks right now. You need to get to an altar and repent pit you say nobody's ever done that you just might be mistaken on that because there have been times my attitude did stink and I'm glad I had somebody that could call me and say oh 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 what's wrong with you today everybody needs that kind of person in your life amen Everybody needs that kind. They were fit for battle. They knew their place. And they knew how to be followers. Many people don't know how to do that. The men that Christ wants in the church today are men who know how to keep rank. They know how to keep in step. They observe the rules. They preserve the order in the march. And they fight in the service of the Lord. Men who can smite the foe, not the friend. Men who know how to handle the sword and they can ward off the wayward arrows of the enemy and they can use the shield of faith. Men who are not afraid to be men. May God teach us all how to keep our place. These were men of strong resolution. They were men who were fit for the battle. I'm gonna leave you with these three things. Fit. What does fit represent? Number one, I believe it represents men of faith. They were faithful men. What does faithful mean? It means men who had complete trust in confidence in someone or something else. They had strong convictions and they had unwavering belief and they had unquestioning faith that does not require proof. You don't have to prove yourself. I'm here to stand with you, David, because I love your spirit. 
I love the hand of God that's on you and that's what I want to identify with. Greater Life Church needs men who are men of faith and men of faithfulness. We need men not only of faith, but we need men of integrity. The I in fit. Integrity. Honorable men. Men who have strong moral principles. Men who know how to be what God called them to be. The state of being whole and undivided. They were united in their purpose and in their call. They were men of integrity every time I look at the men in this assembly that's what I see I see faithful men I see men with integrity I see men you can count on I see men that are willing to go to war with you and they're willing to stand by you no matter what happened that is an unbeatable combination as far as I am concerned they were men not only of faithfulness and men of integrity But they were men of trustworthiness. They were trustworthy. Trustworthy. You could count on them. Men who could be counted on when the chips are down. I cannot tell you. I I, I cannot even begin to explain to you the feelings that have overwhelmed me at times when we have faced adversities as a church family. When our building flooded, especially in 2015, we had just finished a complete renovation of our facility from Ike after it had done so much damage to our building. And we had completely renovated it. It was beautiful. And I get a call early in the morning. We're in Austin, Texas, get a call from Brother Long. Brother Hughes, you won't believe this, but the church is flooded. And when he first said that, I thought, okay, we got a room that's got water in it. He said, no, the church is flooded. And the shock, I mean, just, it just, you, you can't describe the feelings. And we were so far away and I thought, oh God, we don't need to be here and so I, the only thing I knew was to call a man that I, a friend of mine had used under certain circumstances. And so I called this man who had a flood recovery business and, and he said, we'll be there. And by the time that my wife and I got back home from there, he was here and our church men, a lot of our men were here. They had already started pulling out the carpet. And I cannot tell you what it felt like to drive up on the parking lot and see all of our pews piled up out there on the the parking lot and all the carpet piled up and sheetrock pulled out. And you walk in the building and you smell the stench, the the stomach-turning stench that, that was in the building at that time. And I thought, oh God, this this can't be true. And then it was like, you look around and all of our men and women, young people, children, everywhere you looked, our people were like ants moving, taking stuff out, cleaning stuff up. And I think, God, the only way that anybody could ever get through something like this is to have a church that believes in the cause that they are about. And we did, we did, we did. And I'm hurrying, I'm, I'm closing, but... During that season, 
the Lord spoke to me about two o'clock in the morning and uh, to say that I had a few sleepless nights and I'm sure Brother Landon had a few sleepless nights as well worrying about how it was going to work out, where we were going to have church, what we were going to do for the next few weeks or however long. I don't know how long it takes to recover from a flood. We've never had that before. We've always been able to stay on site, but we had to move off campus. And I'm thinking, God, how are people going to know about us? They're not going to know where we're at. Believe it or not, during that season, our church grew. We had people coming to visit us in a school. Don't even know how they found out about us, but they came to visit us in a school. And instead of our number dropping, our number went up. I had people calling me, trying to console me and say, Brother, you don't lose your mind. Don't give up. Don't quit. I'm thinking, what do you mean give up? I'm looking around. I'm seeing God's blessings everywhere I look. I don't know how to describe it other than what God said. And God said, this is going to be a God project for your church. This is going to be a God project for my people. And God made it just that. And we had just finished the last of our renovation. From that storm when Harvey hit. Everybody remembers Harvey. And the same, now it's two feet of water in the building. And we had a man that was trapped in the building. And how we came out of all that is this. Every time I came to the church, I saw men and women from every place, taking off work, coming by after work, coming by before work, stopping by on their day off, lending a hand, and together God helped us recover from all of that. What are you saying? I'm saying the only way something like that can happen is when you have men who are fit for the battle whatever that battle might be it may be against Satan it may be against storm it may be against sin it may be against many other things but they know what the battle is and they're willing to come together and stand together and fight together for the right cause come on let's stand to our feet right now and let's praise him hallelujah 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 Forgive me for being a little long today. I don't usually go this long, but we need men who are not ashamed to identify as men and men who are willing to say, Brother Hughes, Brother Long, you can count on me. I am standing with you. I am standing for you and I am fighting beside you. That would be the greatest Father's Day gift that you could give either of us. Be men that are fit for the battle. Faithful, men of integrity, and men who are trustworthy. And when I look over this congregation, everywhere I look, I see men who are fit for the battle. Men who are not afraid of what we find ourselves in in this hour. And they're willing to commit themselves and submit themselves and give themselves to the cause of God. Praise God. I speak not only for myself, but for Brother Long when I say, thank you for loving us. Thank you for standing with us. Don't ever think that you're not needed. 
or that you don't matter or that you don't count. Everybody in this church matters. Everybody. 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 Praise God. I want to invite my brother to come. I've asked him to close this service today with a special prayer for our men. And don't forget, men, when you are out of service, please come by the foyer. Let Brother Long and I greet you. We have a gift to give you. And thank you for being here on this wonderful Father's Day. Gracious Father, thank you today for the incredible presence of your spirit that we have felt here today. Lord, I, I thank you today for every man represented here today. Lord, I understand the battles that they're fighting in their lives. And thank you for these wonderful men. Lord, I pray that you would bless every one of them so that they could become the man their world needs to see. The father their children need to see and the husband that their wife needs in her life. Lord, your word has so many incredible statements about the importance of fathers. Paul declared that though we had 10,000 instructors, we had few fathers. Lord, I pray today that every man who's here would not be afraid to become a father to the fatherless. I pray that he'd look around, look for children who don't have fathers, and that he would go out of his way to become a father to the fatherless. Lord, I thank you for the incredible examples your word gives us. You told the story of a father who had two children. The youngest one desired to leave home, but the father knew when to take his hands off and he let him go and knew he'd come home. You told the story that the father was always looking for the return of the son and he had trained his servants when they saw him leave. They were to bring the right kind of gifts to put back on the son who had come home. That story you told is actually your view of us. You've trained your angels to watch out for us and when they see your attention turn to us, they bring all the blessings that are necessary to re-equip us with all the resources we need to become the child that you created us to be. Lord, I pray your blessing into every man who's here today. I pray that he not be afraid to be the example his world needs to see. And I pray that you'd give him a blessed day. But I pray, Lord, that he would stay in your presence long enough that he would learn how to take on your nature and that he would act like you and his family in every relationship, that you would be the example that he lived his life by because that's what you did. You came to this world. You didn't demand that we do anything. You showed us how to do it. And you became the perfect father. And you showed us how to love everyone. You gave every man in this room the ability to love children that don't even belong to him. So God, I pray today that he wouldn't be afraid 
to become the father to the fatherless that our world needs today. Bless our homes. Build a hedge around them. Don't allow an enemy in to sow tares among wheat. We can't see what Satan's doing, but you can. So would you station your angels around every home so that there won't be any kind of discourse or any kind of discard that would cause chaos in homes and families. Bless your families today. In Jesus' name. I pray that every man who's here today, at some point today, would allow or would take the time to let your children know how valuable they are to you. Your wife, how important she is in your life. And set the example that Jesus set for all of us today. Would you do that? You're dismissed in Jesus' name.